dang happy to see that 180 to 190 where 10 years ago, man, I don't think there was anyone I was on that I was, wasn't holding out for a 200. So to me, that's what I mean about lowering my standards. Yep. I agree. And, and I think too, there's nothing, I, I think a lot of people get into this rut, like they're going to hunt whatever. And I, I, I totally get that. And I set my standards way higher than I should. Like I I'll, I'm the first to admit, like I set them way higher, but that's kind of what I want to do and what's in it for me. And I don't mm-hmm. think there's any shame in somebody shooting 160, 170 inch buck, whatever you like, just do what makes you happy. And I don't worry about what everybody else thinks. Like, I don't know. Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, and for good reason. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Stay tuned for a Rockcast promo code. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rockcast. Um, I'm Robbie. I'm in my new podcast studio, i.e. the Idaho Falls Public Library. I'm in amongst nerds, but at least I have good sound now. And on the other end of the mic, uh, on the Zoom screen, it says the bearded wonder. Is is that you, Travis? <laughs> That's me. The bearded wonder, dude. You, <laughs> I put that in there for you. I, I, I like it, dude. You, you, I do wonder about your beard a lot. Like what's in it? <laughs> what comes out of it at night? Um, you know, I've slept you in a tent know. with you before, dude. And I, I hear some stuff rustling around in there at night. So I'm kind of wondering. <laughs> so anyways, anyways, man, here we are. What late December, a couple days before Christmas. And uh, yep. Travis and I wanted to get together and put an episode out for you. Uh, we're getting into that time of year when we're all thinking about applications and what's going on next year and all that stuff. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Colorado wolves. We're going to talk about appreciating life. We're going to talk about uh, Travis has a sad story, and it's not that his beard got life. It's it's even sadder <laughs> than that. And then Travis has been on Instagram again. Um, uh, I've already made enough fun of his Instagram name, so I won't say it anymore. But uh, he he's got some listener questions we're going to hit, and we'll go from there. So Travis, what's going on, man? Nothing, Robbie. Just uh, <laughs> happy that's the end of the year. To be honest, I'm pretty excited about next year already, and just getting rolling into it. You know, I wrapped up. I do have one more. I'm going to go on. I'm going to go to Mexico uh, coos deer hunting next month, and then yeah, just we got done whitetail hunting in uh, Canada, and I'm going to say that sitting in a ground blind when it's freezing cold is not for me. It's tough. Ooh, that was brutal. Hey, dude, so anytime I gotta, guys I, are on rock slide making fun of whitetail hunters because they're not hardcore, you know, hiking up 30-degree slopes and all that stuff, I'm like, wait a minute. Have you ever sat in a tree stand dude, for 12 hours? <laughs> dude, if I would have been in a tree stand, I'm pretty sure I would have froze to death. I'm not kidding you. Like, that was next level. It cold. Just, it's hard. Like, it's very hard to do. And, like, I, every time I go and experience kind of a new thing like that, and I've hunted Whitetail before, but it's been, like, I went out on it with Jordan. I've hunted in Idaho. Like, but it was more open country. We were moving around, doing that kind of thing. And it was more, I don't know, it just wasn't that sitting in one spot waiting for them to come to you. It was tough. I mean, we all my group got deer. It was super fun that way. But, man, it was hard. It really was. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's why you never hear me poke fun at the whitetail guys. Cause that, that is hardcore. I mean, it's one thing to sit in glass for four hours because you know, you're, you're actively doing something, you know, yes. you're, you're, you're looking out in the country, you know, you can you, at least you're sometimes you're just a few minutes away from a stock, but man, sitting in a tree, uh, I watch some of these, um, I, I watch Levi Morgan on uh, the outdoor channel. I always watch his show and uh, man, just sitting in a tree. I mean, these guys can see like 50 yards. And they sit for hours and hours. So hardcore, man. So that's why I didn't go to Canada with you, dude. And, and, uh, but thanks for the invite. So, and then, then did I hear you right? You're going to Mexico, old Mexico yep. for coos deer? Yep. Old Mexico. Yep. Coos deer hunting. So I'm pretty excited about that. Hopefully I make it back home in one piece. Dude, are you going to be like going to Europe to hunt red deer too here pretty soon? Uh, to- uh, nope. I have zero desire to do that. Like, dude, the only thing... I have like two bucket list items. I want to kill a polar bear and I want to kill a brown bear. And other than that, I'm happy with mule deer. All right. Well, dude, you're international now, you know, natural born international hunter is what you are, you know, he's <laughs> hunting in three countries this year, dude. And, and here I am, dude, just hunting in the lowly old inner mountain West, man. I'm surprised <laughs> that you'll get on the podcast with me, but I sure appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so dude, let's talk about, like the whole application season, not, you know, we're not here to give people units and stuff like that. We're just here to tell you what Travis and I are thinking and just how things have changed just in the last 10 years. And if you're a hunter and you don't like change, I, 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 I encourage you just stop hunting because it's always going to be changing. It's changed a lot just in, in, in the years I've hunted. And I know, honestly, I think it's going to change more. It's just the nature of things. And so, um, Travis, is your application thinking different now than it was, say, in 2012? Yes, 100%. I think even back then, when you would look at draw odds, I I mean, you could, like, there was, like, light at the end of the tunnel. In a lot of places, you thought, okay, I can can catch up with some of these different places, some of these different states, and it used to be that I had so many just tags that I could get. And I was like, guaranteed they were in my pocket. So I kind of shot for the stars on in a few States like Nevada, Arizona, um, I'll even like Montana, so to speak, I'd put in for Montana, like the draw units, you know, just all these different places. And man, now I, I just look at some of the odds and, you know, and you look at Nevada, you can still get some tags for sure. But Arizona, like if you're trying for like the high end stuff, man, it's just, it's so much different. And then, I mean, you look at general season type opportunities and I'll just throw out a couple, like look at the general season in Utah, 10 years ago, the, you could get archery tags all over the state, like in different places, you could always get an archery tag. I think that's kind of went away. Like it's not a guaranteed anymore. And the writing on the wall for a bunch of other States, I look at what's happened in Wyoming, for instance, there's been tag cuts after tag cuts, after tag cuts, especially if you're hunting the Western side of, you know, the state it's, it's just, it's crazy when you look, how many points some of them places i used to hunt on one point robbie and that was honestly it was maybe a little more than 10 years ago but it's just wild how things have changed colorado that's another one i look at the leftover opportunity that's happened there i mean man 
you could have got so many tags on leftover one point, two point, and there are still some for sure. I mean, me and you, we've hunted them, but it's not like it used to be. It's just changed a lot. Yeah, the slush is gone. Um, the years of having multiple tags in my pockets and um, not even expecting to be able to hunt them all, that's gone. Uh, but it, it, it's not the end of the, the world either. And that's kind of wanted to have this, this conversation. I'm still getting in more days, enough days every year. I'm still hunting as much as I want to. I'm just not, I had to lower my standards on which units I get to hunt. Uh, and this is a little more than 10 years ago, but you know, I drew Western Wyoming every single year between 2000 and 2007. Every yep. single year I drew it. I had to play the odds between special and regular. I had to do all that stuff, but I was able to pull a tag every single year. And, and I'm ashamed to say now, some of those years, I didn't really put that many days in the tag just because I had other opportunities. Otherwise, cause you know, like you'd get too many tags. That's really what, what it was. Well, now Wyoming, if you want to hunt Western Wyoming, unless you're riding points, you're done for five years, four or five years. And I, I know a lot of guys think that that's going to lead to better deer hunting, but that's not what's going on. It's not like Wyoming has said, hey, you know, we're going to cut back on tags uh, enough to, to make better deer hunting. They're just responding to the um, everybody pulling the rug out from under non-residents and, you know, giving it to the non-residents as far as any tag cuts for their hard winter. And, you know, Wyoming do whatever they want, but it's still reducing opportunity and it's not really improving any, any chance at getting a buck from, you know, and, and I mean, you know, you cut 300 tags out of units that have 7,000 hunters. That's just a, that's not going to make a difference. And so, um, but even, I even got thinking like 10 years ago that, you know, there was just a year or two wait for some of those units that I wanted to hunt and, you know, maybe a three-year wait where now it's almost like, I'm not even really thinking about them anymore unless I'm going to share points with somebody. Um, and, and that's what's, what was different than 10 years ago. So now I'm really having to focus more on just securing a tag or two that I can, that I can, that I can, I can have a chance at the kind of buck that I'm looking for. Are you thinking that way too? Yep, for sure. 100%. I, I couldn't agree with like any more than everything you said. I agree a hundred percent. And, and the other thing too, is it's like, I used to just focus on the kind of the cream of the crop units where now I, I can't do that. If I want to go deer hunting every year, I can't do that. And, and, and I'll, I'll just full disclosure to everybody. I want to go deer hunting every year. And I'm not ashamed to say that. All right. I still think there's enough opportunity out there to do that. Okay. So I, and I, I kind of always get into it a little bit with the guys that are like, well, I'd rather hunt once every five years and have a chance at a big one than hunt every year. Okay. But show me where that's happening. Because if it's once every five years right now, as soon as somebody shoots a big buck on that unit, it's not going to be once every five years. It's going to be once every 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 you know, I'm just, I'm just giving a, a theoretical example, but you know, that, that's kind of what's happened, Travis, we're waiting longer, but we're not getting any better opportunity. Right. No. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think about it. I mean, a lot of these places you're waiting longer and the hunting quality is probably honestly went down. And I know, especially as of recently, I mean, weather. It, yeah. It's a, it's a, always a factor, you know? 
Yep. Yep. So anyways, uh, so to me, it's less about chasing the cream of the crop. It's more about securing opportunity. I've lowered my standards in the units I'm willing to select, but we just had a thread on a rock slide the other day. It was pretty good. The guy was talking about lowering your standards for a buck and some guys were taking it as, oh, so now everybody's just going to go shoot the little ones and we'll never get any old ones. No, that's not how I took it. I was looking at it more of I'm because I can't select the best units anymore on a regular basis. Not that I'm not going to try, but I you know, just, I know I'm not going to have a great tag to speak of for, for more years. Um, and unless I just get lucky in the draw. So if I'm selecting a unit that it probably doesn't have many 200 inch bucks, I'm probably not going to be looking for one. I'm going to be you know, dang happy to see that 180 to 190 where 10 years ago, Man, I don't think there was anywhere I was hunting that I was wasn't holding out for a two hundred. So to me, that's what I mean about lowering my standards. Yep, I agree. And and I think too, there's nothing. I I think a lot of people get into this rut like they're going to hunt whatever. And I I, I totally get that. And I set my standards way higher than I should. Like I, I'll I'm the first to admit. Like I set them way higher. But that's kind of what I want to do and what's in it for me. And I don't think there's any shame in somebody shooting 160, 170 inch buck, whatever you like, just do what makes you happy. And I don't worry about what everybody else thinks. Like, I don't know. Right. Right. So, well, um, and then, you know, right now, I don't know about you, but man, we've been having the best winter for deer survival right now i talked about this on the last episode i mean unfortunately if it stays this way we'll go right back in the drought and have a lot of other problems but right now we're not in the drought we're having a mild winter uh these are the years where things really start to pick up usually you know get some good carryover and because now we can't just focus on these high-end units and plan on drawing them you know i'm i'm really happy when when we're getting good weather because I, I know the tags that I can secure, there's going to be more carryover. And we're, we're hoping to have uh, Randy from BYU on the, on the rock cast here yes. in the next month or so. Definitely. He had a very interesting uh, Instagram post about a month ago. What's his Instagram page, Travis? It's wildlife prof. So short for professor, but yeah, wildlife prof. And you'll see it at Randy Larson. Yep. Go dig through his Instagram feed and look for the post. It was about a month ago, and he was talking about the collar studies of how many bucks were actually harvested on a unit, a particular unit in a particular state versus how many bucks were available. And it was kind of a head scratcher that, I mean, I'm just summarizing, no numbers here. A very low percentage of them were taken by hunters. Is is that how you took that post, Travis? Yes. Yep. Yeah, yet the average hunter I talked to, oh my God, they killed them all. I saw a three-point in the back of a truck. Someone should hang that guy. And yet, and and that could be happening in some units, but this particular unit he was talking about, it wasn't. So we're hoping to bring him on the on the on the uh rockcast episode and we can break that down a little bit more. And I've talked about this before. There was a unit here in Idaho, I remember. A game warden told me one time we were talking about hunting pressure or something. He says, I honestly think we kill more on the road than the hunters actually kill. And, you know, I was like, at first, when I heard that, I thought, what? But, you know, he's like, hey, think about it. We've got a two week season. It's open, you know, mid October, uh, tough hunting. And, you know, we have a, 
I don't know, 400 hunters, something like that, 20% success rate, you know, whatever the numbers were, we kill 80 deer. He says, man, we might be killing that many on the highway. And uh, that man, that really made me think about cutting hunting pressure. Like, yeah, go ahead and cut the hunting pressure down to zero. You're still killing 80 bucks a year on the highway in that particular unit. So um, we're going to try to get Randy on to, to break that down. But when we're having these mild winters, I know that Hunting season's hunting season. Some bucks are going to get killed then. That's how we support our North American uh, wildlife model is through license sales. You know, there's no, no shame in that. But man, when we're getting this, these winters like this, man, I, this is when I've seen it. And it takes more than one winter, obviously. But this is when I've seen the bucks really get back on their feet. And it usually just comes under people's radar, you know, because they're, you know, they're just not there's just, it's a slow change. So people don't notice it. And then all of a sudden, you know, a year or two later, people are like, wow, man, I'm seeing a lot more bucks now. And, you know, I'm not talking 200 running around everywhere. I'm just the, as the buck numbers come up with, with improved weather, and then you give it a few years beyond that for the, uh, the bucks to mature. That's when things have, have been the best for me. I don't know about you, Travis. Yes, no, for a hundred percent. And I think it's very hard when you come off those bad winters, like the 16, 17, you know, it was really interesting to me but that next year I, it was like, it got tough there for a while, but like right before this bad winter, dude, we were in a big upswing. I mean, like, I really feel like we were like really coming up on an upswing and then that winter last year crushed us, but it's kind of crazy how fast that transition can happen and like you know you really think about it in the span of time from 2017 to say what two seasons ago 2022 really no i mean we're only dealing with a few years and you really do see that and then it's just it's like it's the joys of hunting and it's crazy you got to enjoy it why you have it and you got to take advantage of it, but I, it's hard for me because I sit and look and I I've had multiple people ask, well, what, do you think it's worth going to Wyoming next year? Do you think it's worth burning points in Wyoming? Uh, what about like some of these other States? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. There's going to be big bucks killed, but it is going to be really tough. And, but the way this winter's shaping up and like the, how fat some of these deer. And I think we'll talk with Randy when we get him on, man, like some records, possibly broken in utah like the fattest deer like they've ever recorded since they've been doing th these um fat content measurings and it's been quite a number of years there's some really cool things like so uh, these bad winners they have goods and i like there's good that comes with it i guess and just i don't all you can do is just try to make the most of it that's the whole thing is just still keep a positive attitude get out there and it it might be tough, but it's going to come back. I, I I really think it will. I think it's going to come back. It just it might take a while, you know? And so what I'm doing on a year like this is, is, you know, this gets back to securing tags. And luckily I'm a resident in a Western state. I realize some people aren't, but you know, the residents in every Western state are, are still securing tags for the most part. No, they're not getting the nine point draw tag, you know, like that, that's still hard, but it's just as far as being able to have hunt opportunity in units with, you know, 20 bucks per hundred does or more, which is enough to grow a big buck. Um, if you're willing to get after it, um, you know, there's still plenty of that kind of opportunity for residents. Do you agree with that, Travis? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. There yeah. is. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm looking at is being able to get, um, 
back to some of the places I did last year where, Hey, last year was tough. Anybody that followed the rock casting, I really only found one, you know, potentially 180 buck last year, which is kind of sad, but it just what it was. And yet I saw a decent amount of up and comers in certain areas, you know, that, Hey, that buck's probably three or four. Hey, that's a pretty nice buck right there. And that's one, these winners, if it stays mild, everything could still change, but if it stays mild, Oh man, that's what I mean by carryover. Some of those bucks are going to make it through and they're going to be the first ones I'm going to be trying to look at, looking at next summer, but which is For different sure. than 10 years ago. Cause 10 years ago, I'm not even thinking about those bucks. I'm thinking about that nine point draw tag. You know, I got eight points now and this is the year. And you know, that's where all my thinking was where now I'm just like, Oh, points yawn. Yes. For sure. <laughs> so anyways, Travis, so, uh, so that's our kind of our wrap up on that right there. Um, let's see, uh, you had uh, a story about this and this is kind of a little bit about this podcast is, you know, just, in, we can't, we can't live in the past. We don't know what the future is going to bring. It's all we can do is live right now. Okay. And, uh, Travis has a story that kind of drives that point home. Take us Travis. Yeah. And, and I think, I, I always just am amazed at how many guys are always looking down the road and I'm guilty and it, whether it's in business and life, whatever, every, it's easy to kick that can down the road almost just like it, it, it just, I think so many people can put off what they could do today. They always put it off or like, mm-hmm. or they got this bank of points and they're like, man, I don't want to waste them on this year or whatever. And I totally get that, but I think it's important that you get out there and try to experience all you can. And like, there's always these events that happen throughout life that when it happens close and you like, you know, firsthand. And the story I'm going to tell is, so my father-in-law has a cousin and his name is Greg. So I've got to know him through hunt mostly. Um, He is a guy that just, just traveled around and he's done a bunch of hunting and he's down in Arizona. So he'd come up here. Um, whether it was in Utah and Idaho, I mean, he's always just thinking and he was taking his kids out and he was just one of them guys that I just love to see out there crushing. And I got to know him well. And well, my wife, I, she just told me this story. So his son Parker was on his way home with his pregnant wife, Chloe for Christmas. So traveling down through down to Arizona gets in a head on collision with a semi. Now, it's just one of those deals that when this kind of thing happens, it just shows you how like precious life is and how short it is. And it always just makes me think, man, you cannot, you cannot like take any, just, you can't take any of life for granted. It can go so fast and it long story short. And I don't want to really get into the details because it's still kind of coming out, but his son looks like he's going to make it. He's in critical condition. But his uh, wife was killed in the accident. Son's probably going to lose his leg. And their baby, um, she was pregnant, also died. And I just think it sucks. It's a bad story. But I know this has happened to me with other friends. Just these accidents happen. Just life. And I just think, man, take advantage of everything you got. Tomorrow's never promised. And we're so lucky to live in this country and experience what we get to. And especially just to be able to go and hunt and do all these things and spend time with your families. I don't know. It's just very important. And I just hope that instead of 
I, I just wish hunters would try to remember that. And I know for me, it's one of my like goals is I want to like for the next upcoming year is just try to just remember how awesome we have it and how cool it is, even though if the hunting's bad or you didn't, whatever. I, I just think it's a, an important thing to always keep in the back of your mind. It's just, it's just things like this that happen in life that I don't know, kind of opens up your eyes, I guess, Robbie. Oh yeah. And just like, uh, from the great theologian, Kenny Chesney, take every breath that God gives you because you are not yeah. guaranteed another. And, um, so yeah, man, what a story. And, uh, I, I will, we will be praying for that family. And, um, I cannot imagine dude waking up in the hospital to find out that my wife and my soon to be baby and my living son are no longer what they were and that, and even gone. I mean, that uh, just, ugh. So, uh, ah, tough stuff. Yeah, it, it is. Never know. Yeah, it makes makes uh, our afflictions are light. Um, all right, let's see. Looking ahead here, um, we uh, our next episode, if we get these all out the way we're supposed to, is uh, going to be a wolf episode with Dan Gates of the Colorado for Wildlife Management. Uh, organization. Um, I was introduced to them by our, our friend, um, Mike Duplan. Uh, Mike uh, lives in Colorado. He's on the cutting edge of kind of what's going on with the wolves down there. And they just got reintroduced. Now, this is no surprise. We've known since uh, they, 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 they won on the ballot. Oh, 2022. Is that right, Travis? It was, they, they got mm, passed in 2022 last year. Yeah. One, actually. I think it went in. Yes. Okay. So. Well, we knew yeah. they were coming. They're here now. They released five here just a couple of days ago. And um, so we're going to have Dan Gates on and uh, talk about their organization, how we can support them. And remember, we've also had Hal on our uh, episodes before. They're, they're also um, leading the charge on educating people about this release. And you know, the wolves are here. I mean, that's just all there is to it, but that's not the last battle to fight or lose or win in Colorado. We're also going to have uh, mountain lions on the, on the ballot here pretty soon. So, uh, we're going to bring Dan on everybody listen to that, um, and do what you can. Um, I, I don't know as much about the issue as, as you do, Travis, why don't you give them just a, just a quick synopsis of what is, what, what's going on with that down there. And, um, you know, people could be thinking about it before we have Dan on. Yeah, for sure. So on the wolf, if we back up to the wolf deal, so there was a vote. So basically Colorado citizens, it was a voter initiative. So basically you had, I think it was honestly 51% mm-hmm. to 40% of the citizens of Colorado voted saying they wanted wolves back in Colorado. They wanted them reintroduced. Well, it's a really complicated story and it's going to take some time to probably pull it all out and to bring it all to light, but I'll try to keep this quick. So to accomplish that, Colorado Parks and Wildlife had to go through uh, what's called a 10J exemption through the U.S. Fish and Wildlife to basically meddle or to mess with an endangered species, which the wolf is outside of the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. So they kind of went through this 10J process. There was, and I don't want to get crazy into details, but there was like an environmental impact study 
that was supposed to be done. I think that's kind of some of my argument is that environmental impact study, I think was rushed through. There was a lot of impacts that weren't looked at. And basically you have the U.S. Fish and Wildlife is lined up politically with that small minority in Colorado. And when I say small minority, if you look at the county maps that voted for it, it's basically Denver and Boulder that pretty much put this in. And the funny thing is the wolves are never going to be in Denver and Boulder. No. They're getting leased on... <laughs> on cattlemen, on sportsmen, on people who really didn't want this. And now I don't want to get into the whole wolf thing. Wolf no, we don't need to. Just the Yeah, I don't hate wolves, but it's just it's just one of those things and it's just it's hard to see these kind of things unraveled and put out on sportsmen and there's a whole bunch of effects and I think we'll get into it with Dan. I think that's probably the better time to do a but yeah, it's so but the overview that, that you gave me was the problem is, 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 is that this is a state introduction. It's not a federal introduction. Yes. And so it's coming yes. in with no ability to manage them. Unlike when the, when, when the federal introduction in our state happened, at least we've got it to the point where we can hunt them and manage them like any big game animal. Yes. Right now, that's not even on the table in Colorado, right? Not even on the table. So yeah. the words they used the introduction that happened in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. They learned every mistake they made when they did that introduction as far as like, so there was limits on the amount of breeding pairs, mm -hmm. the amount of overall wolves, and then they would be declassified. Colorado's put this like the wording in it that they could argue they will never, there is never going to be hunting. Trapping's pretty much off the table already mm -hmm. in Colorado, especially for the wolves. There's never going to be any sort of control effort allowed in the state of Colorado, as in my opinion. I just don't ever see it happen. Right. And so, so that's to me is kind of what's scary about all this is, is I'm with Travis and to put the wolves in Yellowstone park, you know, that, that's what we have those places for. But now that we do have them, the, the ability to hunt them, you know, because I, I remember sitting in my college class in 1995 and NBC yeah. news alert came on the wolves have been released in Idaho. You know, I had to live through all of that. And up until we got um, the ability to hunt them. And I can't remember how many years ago it was now, you know, it could be just because it started so it and then it got stopped and go ahead. Yeah. So I think it was 2011. Yeah. And so prior to that, that dude, the wolves were just going crazy. Like every year, just worse, you know, more, more elk getting killed, more cattle getting killed, you know, all that stuff was going on. And, you know, I'm not saying we're in a, we're in a rosy state of affairs now, but it, it and tell me if I'm wrong on this, Travis, it seems like once we got to hunt them, that we we got a handle on this wolf thing. And now I can't even find a wolf from Idaho Falls to to Bear Lake reliably. I know they're around. Um, but you know, up to like two thousand seven, man, there was a pack just east of town here. Yes. And I think that's the thing is like in some of the country, the trapping hunting actually did do wonders. Like in um, you know, the eastern half of Wyoming, where they basically treated them as predators. And yes. I mean, the mm -hmm. control efforts have went in and they've worked. But when you get into some of the rugged places and just it's it just a different world in Idaho, it, for all like if 
they basically declared war on wolves as far as they've let everything go trappings i mean it's very liberal dates we've allowed night i mean hunting them at night now thermal optics it, it just the list goes on and on but we're still having trouble getting them under control especially like up north i shouldn't say southern Idaho, but like up north and there's still ramifications from it i don't know and it's not the end all be all but i mean when you talk with people for instance i used to hunt up on the Locksaw river for bears years ago dude it devastated some of those little towns like i mean the environmental like the impact of wiping i mean the elk numbers like it went from i i can't i don't want to get into it and i'll try to have some better numbers but it's crazy like and they're still feeling the ramifications from it and it's just to interject something on citizens that really don't want it with no like with no umbrella on how you're going to control it or no end inside or no way to put the cat back in the bag so to speak Mm -hmm. and that's like it's just not going to happen and colorado has proven time and time again and we talk about what's going on right now so basically they're going to do a voter the same type of thing on trophy hunting and the way they're wording this is, is they're talking about trophy hunting of lions bobcats um that's kind of like where it's going but they're not wanting to just end on lions and bobcats right they're trying to supercharge that term trophy hunting so that it sounds and this is the average non-hunter when i talk to them they hear the word trophy hunting Mm -hmm. they think that you don't utilize the meat that's the first thing that they do so that's a very charged phrase it's why i don't use it it's why you don't hear me talking about trophies much because i it's around you guys yeah it's great you know exactly what i mean hey yeah we like the antlers but to the non-hunter they, they've made that mean something else. And so, so for those of you who are listening, if we don't quite have our total facts, right, we're just trying to get the discussion going. That's why we're going to bring an expert on Dan Gates from the Colorado, Coloradoans for responsible wildlife management. We'll have him on the should be the very next episode. And um, uh, we'll, we'll get down to the to the brass tacks on this and what's going on. But be ready. This isn't just a shot over the bow. This is a shot into the bow, all right? They, they yes. got this passed, and they're showing us right now that we're going to run with it um, with wolves in Colorado, and they're going to try, try to take it to the next level. And the fact that we do have right now is that they're not going to be a huntable population. You know, if, if, if it was a huntable, huntable population, my stress would be about 50% of it because I know that, okay, well, once we, once we're able to hunt them, at least we're going to be able to get a handle on them where there's nothing that's showing that's ever going to happen. You know, this is going to be just cuddly wolves, no different than grizzly bears. The Onyx Hunt Elite subscription will provide way more value than the $100 annual fee will cost you. And that's before you apply the 20% Rockcast promo code. You'll use Onyx on every hunt, every planning session, and now save money with exclusive deals on gear from the industry's best. Onyx Elite also includes application and draw odds tools, educational resources for all species, exclusive mapping and scouting tools, and last but not least, access to nationwide coverage and now Canada. Onyx Hunt Elite is trusted by millions. Onyx has also released new features to help make hunters more successful. Already known for nationwide public and private land ownership and being a fully functional GPS without service, Onyx Hunt has just released new aerial imagery options like Leaf Off, recent imagery updated every two weeks with historic look back and imagery on demand. 
On top of that, Onyx is reinventing the trail camera market by syncing your hunt app with multiple cell camera manufacturers and helping organize and analyze your photos. You can also now view your maps in Dash when driving to your next hunting location. These are just a few of the many updates Onyx has for this hunting season. So try Onyx Hunt for free for seven days or go to onyxmaps.com and use promo code ROCKCAST for 20% off your new Onyx Hunt membership. Yeah, there's one thing I wanted to mention. I hope hunters too, when they look at this, you have to realize Colorado is the biggest. There is more elk in Colorado than any other state. Mm -hmm. Like it's so uh, this can affect. I think what sucks is there's going to be a bunch of hunters listening to this. Maybe they're in Oregon, maybe they're in Washington, Idaho, wherever they may be. And they mm -hmm. might think, you know what? I'm not going to Colorado hunting. Like, I don't care about this. And I've had people actually message me about like, well, who cares? Well, this no. is going to affect <laughs> everybody. This is going to displace hunters. This is going to displace, like we uh, will go into all the details, but I just don't ignore these kinds of things. Like, and the no. truth of the matter is it's probably coming to a state near you. Like they're, no. this isn't going to stop in Colorado. They're going to take what they learn in Colorado doing this. And, and it's going to go everywhere. One last thing, Dan Gates. I have tried and done all of the research I can on my own, just trying to look at, okay, who's actually, what organization is actually getting in and like fighting this dude. He's the, like, it's crazy. How many people don't know who he is? Never heard of the organization. And I had just, I just found out about it. It was a uh, last spring. Um, he was really on the wolf deal. I, it's just, I hope people will get involved. This is going to cost money. Um, like guys, uh, it's tough, but I, I, I think after you listen to the next episode and I hope everybody does, please get involved. I think it's so important. Yep. That's why we want to have him on, get, get our facts straight and get everybody, uh, get everybody, um, behind these efforts to defend our hunting. Cause that's really what it's about. It's about defending our hunting. And with what you said, Travis, it doesn't matter if you live in another state, you, you it, this is, this is going to be everywhere and we all got to come together on it. And Colorado is the most generous state with non-residents. Okay. So for all the non-residents feel like you've been kicked in the hole the last couple of years, remember Colorado has been pretty dang good to us as far as uh, tag allocations. Yeah, it's tightening up in there and it's going to, but they, they, we, we, we still owe it to Colorado to support them. I've, I've hunted deer on and off in Colorado for 25 years. That's why I want to get behind this. And, uh, and, and, and we, we owe it to Colorado and it's going to come back on the rest of us, if, if we can fight this off, it's going to come back in a good way. So watch for that episode. I think, I think we got our facts straight enough on, on, on that Travis to get that out there. Uh, anything else on that? No, I think we're good. Okay, buddy. Now let's, let's see. Uh, I think that's everything I got on here. Let's do the fun stuff. You said you've been playing around on Instagram again, and, uh, you got a bunch of questions. Dude, I, yeah. And we got so many questions, we're going to have to do another one because holy cow, man. I've got a lot, but do you want, how about this? I haven't read any of them. I just like scrolled through here. Um, and there are pages and pages and pages of oh questions. Well, so, let's, let's pick four let's or five. Just, see if we so, can jump into yeah, it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to like, so probably the guys that have just responded in the past few minutes are probably going to be the ones that we go to. 
Um, okay, Robbie. So maybe I'll just ask it, get your thoughts, and then I'll maybe give my thoughts. Okay. Thoughts on closing winter ranges to the public, only allowing people that work in the area to be allowed in. What are your guys' thoughts? And that was from Mountain Fed um, on Instagram, MTN underscore Fed. Well, I hate giving up freedoms for any reason, if we can have them. And I live in an area where there are two winter ranges that are completely close to human access. And in those two areas, there was a ton of, I'd say it mostly shed hunters on there, but there was a ton of recreation going on on there too. Um, you know, hikers and, you know, people with dogs and cross country skiers and everything. And Idaho had tried the shed antler season closure, you know, like 20 years ago, it didn't really work. So they went to these small area closures and I can tell you it worked. It helped the deer. Um, one area is particularly small, probably just a few thousand acres. There's still plenty of other places that you can go. So it, it worked without too much restriction. Um, it used to be sad to go up there and watch how much the deer were getting ran around. Um, the other areas, you know, quite a bit larger, um, but they've, they've, they closed it to human entry because, you know, it was moving elk onto private land and, you know, running deer around in the winter. They, they seem to be able to manage it pretty good. I don't know the acreage on that one, but it's, it's, it, it's worked in those two areas, but that doesn't mean I want it expanded to every single winter range either, because some winter ranges are lightly impacted by human activity. And now that Idaho has this shed season that they can, they can bring in and out. I mean, I hate to pick on the shed hunters, but you know, we're, they're pretty active out there and in some places, not all, you know, there's a, there's a, a lot of activity on the winter range. So if we can manage it with just simple shed closures and yet people still be able to go out, I think that's a good compromise. Um, just my opinion. Um, but I, I hate to give up freedoms if I don't have to, but I just gave you two examples of where I think there was so much impact. It was worth giving the freedom up, but I don't think that's going to apply to every single place, but by far, I mean, there, I can think of winter range right now. I could go to today. There's nobody there. Well, why have it? Why have it closed? How about you, Travis? So I think this is my opinion in places that are getting more populated. I do think something has to be done. Um, and what I'm referring to is so winter range in a lot of places has become very populated. So you have, and, and where I'm, when I'm talking winter range, I'm talking about federal land that's winter range that's still open for hopefully that'll kind of, I'll, I'll go with the federal side of things. I wish the BLM Forest Service would get together and look at critical winter ranges. And I do wish they would shut them down to all human activities, say from a certain day to a certain day. I would be totally on board with it. However, I would like to see trails maintained and left open, like going up. Like, so if there is an established trail or road that maybe snowmobilers, because I do see this is land of many uses. There's not, it's not just hunting. However, I do think wildlife should come first. And I think if the general public was made more aware of this, some of the issues that I see, um, I'm seeing like just your average citizen, they want to get out on a cold snowy day and take their dogs for a walk. Well, 
they wanted to do it where they can take their dogs for a walk off leash. So they got their dogs and they don't realize like the impact those dogs just running, you know, and they're just walking up the road. Maybe they got their snowshoes on, whatever, but there's such an impact by that. The biggest problem is, is to get that done and done correctly. I think it needs to be the forest service or BLM step in. I know they've done complete um, travel restrictions or complete closures in places in Wyoming. Um, there's some places around here that actually have travel and or they have travel restrictions certain times a year. I don't know if they're really enforced how they should be. That's some of me is I wish there was a little more um guess enforcement on laws that are already on the books that would probably help a lot and then and that's and it's tricky but i do love these um shed antler seasons i hate to say it i've just watched it change since i was a kid to what it is now antler season is serious there's so many guys out serious about it and just getting out there crushing it and i do think I think that's causing a problem. I really do, Robbie. I think I, that's just my thoughts. I wish we could do more closures to all all access, I think would be fair. But yeah, that's my thoughts. Gotcha. And while we're on that subject, um, Idaho did, um, they took it to the to the public this, this summer and voted on it. I don't remember how the vote came out, but I think it was safe to say it was pretty overwhelmingly for a shed antler season. Um, if I'm wrong on that, somebody, somebody can yeah. let me know, but I, I heard it was like 80% were for it. Did, did you hear that too, Travis? Yes. It was like unbelievable how many people were in support of it. It was quite so, surprising. So now that we have that, it, it, it starts January 1st, 2024. This is in the upper snake and the Southeast regions of Idaho only. So there's still a ton of Idaho you can shed out on that, but because those were the, the two areas most affected by the, the devastating winter last year, that's where they put it in. And uh, so it starts January 1st and it runs through April 14th. Um, and it, it prohibits um, searching for, picking up, caching. I was surprised they put this in there too. No drones to look for antlers. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, so no oh. unman unmanned aircraft. Um, I, I guess they didn't put manned aircraft in there because it's pretty hard to uh, hunt sheds from a Cessna. But anyways, make sure you know that that's out there and that that does uh, take place in the Upper Snake and Southeast region starting January 1st. And let's give us some time. Let's see if it's going to work. Even though Idaho tried it 20 years ago and it didn't work, they didn't have the ability to enforce it then where now they're thinking with public uh, support and the ability to easily um, contact the fishing game and take pictures and all that other stuff that it, it, it'll have better, better enforcement. And, but again, I wish we didn't have to have all this. I wish we could have more freedom, but you know, as, as the, as the winter ranges get squeezed, it, we got to do something to help them. You pursue them, you cherish them, and now it's time to protect them. This is the Mule Deer Foundation. Our mission is the conservation of mule deer, black-tailed deer, and their habitats, the heart and soul of the West. Join the herd today and help us preserve the legacy of these majestic creatures for generations to come. Your membership supports essential conservation projects, research initiatives, and educational programs that secure a future for mule deer and black-tailed deer. Our deer our heritage, our responsibility. Don't just witness their journey, be a part of it. Join the herd. Together, we can make a difference. 
Visit muledeer.org today. Let's hit another question, Travis. Okay. So I got turned the next question. Turnbow D14 on Instagram responded. Um, most important thing a hunter can do to help with serious matters affecting the industry. So I think he's talking about hunting in general. What can hunters do to help with serious matters? Um, take it, Robbie. Well, I guess the like the serious matters I'm thinking of are um you know, supporting, protecting habitat. Um, this thing we just talked about with Colorado, getting enough hunters involved that we can push back against ballot box initiatives, you know, things like that. So getting involved with organizations that are on the point of a spear for that, because it's hard for one person to do anything, you know, just screaming on Instagram or, you know, blowing up rock slides, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta have a concentrated professional effort. And uh, so that's why, that's why you hear the Mule Deer Foundation ads in this uh, podcast because we believe in what they're doing. Not everything they do is we agree with, but, but they're, they're organized and they've got the money, they've got the funding and they're, they're, they've got people that are studying this, these issues and getting on the forefront of it. So I, I think you got to join the organizations that, um, are, are supporting the cause you're looking for. And if there's not an organization out there that's doing that, well, it sounds like it's time for you to start one. I like it. Um, and yeah, I think getting involved is so important i think if more sportsmen were involved on all of these issues i i think it would just be there would be so many issues we wouldn't face i think if hunters were more involved and when i talk about involvement i'm talking about getting involved with go to the public meetings your local game and fish agencies have or get online at minimum get online and fill out comment cards but there's a lot to be said about actually showing up in person and i know it can be hard in life but man you're if you're passionate about this and you are if you're listening to a hunting podcast you're passionate about it man go to the meetings get involved dude take up some of the volunteer hours that i've done and different things have opened my eyes to so many things and like gave me a way better like just a way better education that I never would have got unless I was there boots on the ground looking at, okay, what are these guys doing? You know, what, why are they doing this? And then get involved like with organizations and try to find an organization that best represents you, but just whatever it is, get involved. And I think this, we'll get into this with Dan, but there are different organizations that, are fighting politically for you. And there's different organizations that are like more maybe focused on habitat. I think you have to be involved with both. We have support. We have, there's so many fronts to this. And I think it's just important that hunters have to give up some time and money to these organizations and become more involved to protect what you love. I think it's, I think it's so important and time is one of the most valuable things. I think going and actually putting in time, even if you don't want to spend $30, we'll maybe find out when the Mule Deer Foundation's doing a bitter brush planning. Show up, help them out. They're always looking for volunteers. Or maybe it's Dan Gates needs a bunch of guys to go down to the Capitol on the day that they have all the sportsmen show up at the Capitol. It's just getting involved with stuff like that. It's super important. Finding the organizations where your money 
goes as far as possible, I think is also important. I mean, just find out what the groups are doing. And I, I think that's really good stuff. I, I just, I wish hunters were more involved. I think it's, it's just, I can't say it enough. Well, I like the way that uh, John Stallone from the Howl organization puts it because um, there's a whole movement in the a small movement in the hunting industry that, oh, there's just too many hunters. You just got to get rid of all the hunters. And I'm always very cautious about that because I like what just happened in Colorado. We lost uh, the ability to manage wolves by a, a very small margin. So if we had more hunters active at this ballot box initiative, maybe we wouldn't even be worried about this right now. But if we want less hunters, and this is what John says, then we need more active hunters. We need the ones that are in, uh, active now to be more active with their money, with their time, with their involvement, all of that stuff. So for those of you out there that want less hunters, make sure that you're putting your money where your mouth is and get involved behind these organizations that are supporting your right to hunt. Okay. That's, that's the best I can offer on that right there. Uh, Travis, where are you getting these questions at, man? Cause I'm looking on your Instagram page and I, I don't see any of them. Oh no, they're they were a message to me. Sorry, oh, so you I'm not put it on your story. Yeah, were, okay, oh, dude, yeah, so it's on my legend, stories crap, and then dude. people. Oh, dude, G mini dude, don't put legend on <laughs> yeah, your now story. You I hate that crowd. Okay, dude, I'm sending you a question right now. I just sent you one, dude. Oh, geez. there we go. Tell me if you so, can see that. Can you? See I got that question, a good one. This, um, let's see. I just asked if you were impregnable. Did it come oh, through? God, dude, I just. Can you this get is pregnant, insane. Travis? Nope. No, you can't. Okay. Well then ignore the question. Anyways, I wanted to see these other questions. So, so let's hit some more and, um, okay. I was going to look and see if this there was is a good any... one. Go ahead. What is the actual reality of hunting a 200 inch muley on public land, past, present, and future? I love this question. I think this is great. And this was CJ hunt one that asked that. Okay. You want me to go first? Go ahead. Okay, so this is kind of what we started the podcast off with. 10 to 15 years ago, for me, it was building points and getting into the units that grew 200 inches on a regular basis and then just staying off the trigger until I, I saw one, which still took like five years. Where now I've had to lower my standards because I'm just hunting more average units where I can secure a tag because I can't wait the rest of my life to draw that that tag that's going to give me a chance at multiple 200s. Um, and, and I never even saw a 200 last year. So it's harder now than what it, what it was. If, if now, if I go to the, the draw units and I just scout there, of course, I'm going to see them. A guy sent me a picture this morning of one from a draw unit. And I thought, whoop de doo I'm never going to get a hunt there. I, you know, I don't, it's not that I don't care about that deer. It's just, it's not an opportunity worth investing in where 10 or 15 years ago, I would have really, even though it wasn't easy to draw them, I don't want to make something like that, but I mean, you, you had a lot better chance, you know, double, triple the odds you do now. And, you know, we're now everything's all, so a lot of these units are almost like sheep tags. Like when I was growing up, you know, like they're almost like you might get one every 15 or 20 years, you know? And, and, uh, so, so the reality of it now is, um, it's a lot harder, but they are out there. And I think that's why scouting is so important. And we didn't mention this earlier. Hunt, don't just get stuck with your rifle, man. I've said that for years, you know, hunt, hunt all the weapon types, because that's going to give you more op opportunity to access units that might have a few more of these in there, but, but you can't hunt what is not there. And I, and even 15 years ago, there were still units that I, I wouldn't have held out for a 200 because there just wasn't enough from there to worry about. It's just now that I'm, I'm having to hunt more of those units. And so, 
that that's where I'm at. And did he say future too? Yeah, past, present, future. Yep. The future is ours, and I don't know what that's going to hold. But um, it, uh, weather, notwithstanding, because that has to cooperate. I look at mule deer probably pretty static in numbers here for the next two or three years. You know, um, there's no big shifts in management I see coming down the pipeline. You're, we're just kind of waiting on the weather, uh, but but I can't predict the future. That that's a tough one. But my future's bright. I don't know about everybody else's, but my future's bright because if it's not, if I can't think that way, if it's just doom and gloom, I'm going to hang it up and go golfing. I like it. So. On my past, it's kind of hard to understand where he's talking about past. I'm just going to reel it back. So five years ago, prior to the 2017 winter, dude, I, I'll be honest. I had more 200 inch bucks found than I could go hunt. Um, there was actually a number of years right through there. I could not get to all of them. Um, that was, and I hunted some of them unsuccessfully, but it was pretty it was the best i had ever seen it in my life and at that time it's kind of funny there was a lot of guys that were saying the hunting still sucked and that we're talking in 2015 14 13 i killed a number of them in those years um and it was awesome like the hunting was fantastic i literally could not afford enough time to get to all of them and like i was literally picking and choosing coming back for some of them year like a year later whatever it was a wild time so i know it was available just a few years ago i i know it was there currently um at the present dude it's pretty tough to find a 200 inch buck um how many did you see last year travis 2023 how many hands down did you see that were on a huntable tag well okay. yeah on a huntable tag that i had zero for go. sure that's what's changed um, to me. That's not a change in management because we're yes. still right. I mean, yep. you may be a little, I don't know, but man, that's to me, that's just weather yes. and then not being able to have better tags in my pocket because of draws mm -hmm. for sure. And the future it's, I truthfully, like you said, Robbie, I have to, I, I know it's going to get better. I know it will. I know it will. It. <laughs> it can't really get worse. I, I can't, yeah, yeah, it can't get worse. So I think it's good. I think a lot of things have changed and I think the availability to get tags is going to affect that. I think that hunting has changed a lot in just, you know, the 10 year window that I'm kind of looking in just recently right here. I think hunting's changed a lot. And we talked about that earlier, but I do think the future is bright. I do. I, I know I will hunt another 200 inch buck. I know I will hunt multiple in my lifetime. Like I guarantee it. Like that's the attitude I have. I, like you said, Robbie, if I didn't think that I would probably, I'd probably go fishing or I'd do something different because yeah. I, but I really think the future is bright. We have to. So anyways, yeah. that's our, that's our answer to that question. What else you got? Okay. <clears throat> this one was kind of fun. Was the South, was the Southern Idaho deer herd hurt as bad by winter as everyone thought it would be? What were your thoughts? Well, it depends on how you define Southern Idaho. If you define Southern Idaho from the Oregon border to the, what is it? Utah border on the other side. 
Um, yes, it parts of it were very impacted, the southeast corner. But if you're just talking southern Idaho, basically what Twin Falls and east, hopefully I don't have my map upside down in my head, towards Oregon, or is that west? That's west. Jeez. This is bad. <laughs> I don't have a 3D mind. There's a reason I have an English. We haven't read these questions right on the spot. Yeah. Right. But anyways, uh, the, 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 uh, that half of Idaho, Western Idaho. There we go. That's what I got. Western half of Southern Idaho. No, it wasn't as bad over there. And you see that on both sides of the border, like some of the stuff that Randy, uh, wildlife prof did. Um, what, what is that box elder County that you, uh, uh, Utah butts up against Idaho. They had higher survival rate than they did over in the, um, the, your, your country, Logan. Um, what, what, yes. what, yeah, that Ash. part of Utah. Yep. So, so the, everything that was in that tri-state area of Idaho, Utah, and Wyoming that all comes together right there. Bad, bad, bad. I won't even try to sugarcoat it, but it wasn't as bad as you get west of there. Um, And yes, so I'm going to comment because I personally, I have not been over. I used to hunt a lot of those units kind of over on the Western, like the central and Western half of Southern Idaho. I would go over there fairly, fairly often. I did not get over there this year and I wished I would have, but I will say in Southeast Idaho, just like you said, Robbie, Northern Utah, I really think the epicenter of the horrible winter was like that Montpelier to Soda Springs area. It was awful. Like it was, it, it's amazing. And I've been traveling around on the winter range a bunch the past few weeks. I've been over in Wyoming. I've been through here. It's the worst I've ever seen. I have never, I have never, ever seen so few deer. I've never seen so few bucks. It's is, it was worse than. I honestly thought it was and every, I keep, I would keep holding out in the back of my mind, like, eh, maybe it's cause the winter, like a lot of the deer haven't come down yet, whatever. And I keep thinking, oh, like, no, it's, it's horrible. It's bad. Mm -hmm. So I do think that winter was, it was a record. Like it was unbelievable. It was very, very hard on the deer. There's no doubt. I think the elk even got affected. I never thought. I would uh, really think, see elk numbers affected by winter. In fact, um, biology basically says that really can't happen. They really have never documented elk like recruitment being bad. Dude, I even they got like it was it was rough. It was a rough, rough time. Yep. Yep. It was. Wish we had better news, but well, we do. The winter so far is pretty good. Yes, it's awesome for sure. Travis and I are trying to get out with Gary Freilich here uh, pretty soon. Look at this winter range. And even he commented that, uh, wow, I wish the deer would just get to the winter range, you know, because that's been pretty, pretty slow trickle getting them down there. Although I think they're probably there now, but that's always good. So looks like we got time for one more question, Travis. All right. Upcoming mule deer. So this is Hart Bryce on Instagram. Upcoming mule deer projects around the West. Who is doing the best job and what states do you think need to improve? And I think he's talking about more like what the states as a whole are doing projects to benefit mule deer and who could probably do some improvement. That's kind of a fun question. It's kind of long, but you got a sec, Robbie, hit that one. 
Oh man. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm all knowledgeable on all that because I'm not, but Idaho has their mule deer initiative and they are doing habitat improvements um, around mule deer country. Um, just go to their website um, or you can contact Toby Boudreaux, B-O-U-D-R-E-A-U, uh, the Idaho State Wildlife uh, Deer and Elk Coordinator. We've had him on the podcast several times and find out what those opportunities are um, because I, I, I can't say we're doing better or worse than anybody, but I can say the opportunities are out there and people should get involved with them. And then Travis, you're a little more uh, familiar with Utah because dude, you're still a Utah resident at heart. I'm not going to let you forget that. Um, when's your five-year <laughs> mark of moving into Idaho? I can't remember. Is that coming up? Dude, it's coming right up here. In fact, when I did that hits, we're going to have a little celebration. Yeah, I'm probably. sure we will, dude, but I'm going to squeeze <laughs> it for all it's worth. But since you're still a Utah resident at heart, I, I know Utah's um, got a pretty solid program for volunteering. Why don't you touch on that? Yeah, so uh, like a couple states that I really think is like going above and beyond. I will say Utah, it is amazing what they're investing in caller data. Um, I mean, they just in habitat money. In fact, nobody else is even coming close a lot of that has to do with conservation permit dollars. People will poo-poo the conservation program and hate on it and say, that's crazy. We're taking 3% right off the top of tags available to the public and giving them to the highest bidder. I will say in defense of that program, Utah, unlike Idaho and Wyoming and Montana, does no outfitter allocated tags. So in a lot of these states, they're taking 10% right off the top of the, or up to 10, some of them are five, some of them are 10, whatever, up to a percentage, taking them right off the top, handing them to an outfitter and saying, you go sell this for your business to help you out. We don't get anything. The state doesn't get anything back. Well, Utah doesn't do that, but Utah does take 3% and sells them at random to the highest bidder. That's where you see some of these tags go for just crazy amounts of money um antelope island's a little different but you see so it's pretty cool what they've done with that so you can hate or love the program but just remember you can't really hate on the program if your state's taking 10 percent, handing them to an outfitter and not getting a dollar back in their pocket for wildlife I, yeah, there's an argument. just the license fee that they're that they're yes. paying where these three so, percent that you're talking about they're they're yes. raking in hundreds of thousands of dollars on these tags is that what you mean yep so i think that's really cool although there's some things i wish utah would improve on i wish they would do more with wildlife friendly fencing i wish the department of transportation in utah would get their shit together so to speak and come to the table and try to like do some of the things and i, and I feel the same in idaho um, there's like this yeah. big disconnect between the Department of Transportation and the divisions of wildlife. Why that is, I don't know. One thing I will comment about a state really doing it right is Wyoming. Man, what they have done with their migration initiative and doing the habitat work they're doing, trying to keep these long migration routes interconnected and the fencing work and the overpass and underpass highway fencing. I don't think anybody is even coming close. And what's really crazy is Wyoming's population is the smallest in the nation. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, how are they getting all this done? Why Idaho and Utah, I feel like are missing the boat on some of that stuff. So yeah. it's interesting how some of these states 
are really doing a good job in like certain aspects. And then sometimes, you know, I almost feel like they're missing the boat on some others. I, that's a hard one. Like some things I know Nevada, um, man, Nevada does a pretty amazing job for the little amount of money and tags that they really sell. It's pretty amazing that they run a state like they do have, I mean, it's, there's not tons of opportunity there. It's dry, but man, they got, they got quite a few things going. And when I drive through Nevada and I see some of these underpass overpass projects and some of this stuff, it's cool. Um, Colorado, I don't, that's, I don't know. I, it's almost a lost cause there. Uh, I'm just going to say it there, the Colorado parks and wildlife, their wildlife commission, and we'll get into this more as kind of just a lost cause. I, I think they're, <laughs> they are focused in a whole different arena as far as sportsmen and hunting and fishing are concerned. They're, they're focused in a lot of different hunters and fishers are not on the front burner. Exactly. We got to take that commission back. We're going to talk about that with Dan Gates yeah. on, uh, on the next episode that, that, uh, cause right now it is a lost cause, but man, I don't want to chalk it up. It's going to stay that way. For sure. Um, and that's, uh, for those of you that haven't followed Mike Duplan's page, he talks a lot about that on there. So go follow him on Instagram. He's very active. And I think that. the important thing is with that question is to get involved and look at some of these, follow some of these other state game agencies, try to understand too what other agencies are doing. And like, I know personally, I've been pushing hard with the department of transportations locally. I'll see them go through and do these road widening jobs mm-hmm. and they're putting up standard barbed wire fence. And I'm watching deer get hung up in these fences a yep. day after they put them up. And I'm just like, why are we still doing this? Like, so I think getting yeah, involved better them your legislators like just it all boils back down to involvement robbie i I think we could leave on that note if you want but i think getting involved is so important in all aspects and i mean it might be with your local city government wanting to do some big development on prime mule deer range like make maybe they should think about that a little bit or make sure that there's migration corridors going through it or something available and there's all this information out i just get involved i really think it's so important right and if and this is why i keep pushing everybody on the mule deer foundation because if i had the magazine sitting here in front of me i can scroll to the back Mm -hmm. and answer this listener's question point by point by point with what's going on in every state for that particular quarter because they have a whole write-up in the back of what every chapter is doing uh you know that 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 three months that three quarters you know winter range improvement um highway fencing and all the different things that they do it's out there it's out there i just don't have it top of mind right now but uh again join the mule deer foundation that's why we give them free ads on the Rockcast. Uh, you're going to hear it during this episode uh, because they are on the forefront of it so don't look for the perfect organization just get out there and start supporting that's the best way i can answer that question off the top of my head so so travis the bearded wonder you know if i was an yes. indian what my name would be shining face uh-huh. all right you would be <laughs> You would be, I don't know, Bears South End is what you would be. So, uh, everybody, thank you for chiming in to, or co- chiming in on the uh, questions today. Thank you for listening in. This is Shining Face and Bearded Wonder signing off. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks.